Forever 20 is a podcast for adults containing themes of violence, sexuality, mental illness, and above all else, some pretty strong language. Specific content warnings for each episode are broken down in the description. Welcome to Forever 20 and our first campaign, Dystopium. Thank you so much for joining us on our pilot episode. Our show, Forever 20, is an actual play D&D podcast where myself, Kyle, and my co-hosts, Jake and Cody, will embark on an adventure through a universe that our game master, Kamen, guides us through. For any of you that may have stumbled upon our little show and don't have much background on how the game of Dungeons and Dragons works, here's a little get you started. We, the players, will flow through the story that Kamen has crafted as our characters do basically whatever they want. How our actions unfold, however, will be dictated by rolling a 20-sided dice, which you'll hear us refer to as a d20, and the higher the result of the dice roll, the better the actual outcome will be. That's the basics of it. The game is a bit more nuanced, but hopefully you'll pick up on everything else that is D&D as time goes on. As a quick content note, the tone of the first episode is pretty dark. I promise it becomes much brighter in subsequent episodes. This is our first attempt at something like this, and we are brimming with nervous excitement to share this project. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes and spread the word around to all your friends, nerdy or otherwise. As you will come to hear, I love being on mic, so to save you all from what could be endless nervous chatter from me, let's get into the action. Without further delay, this is Forever 20. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Forever 20. This is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast, and this campaign is our dystopium campaign, which we'll get into a little bit more of what that will all entail. But first, I'll have introducing all the lovely players that will be joining me today. And we'll just go around the table. Hello, my name is Kyle Hudick. I am the voice of Harvey Watterson. Uh, His in-game character being Count Dante. I imagine what in-game character means will be a bit expanded upon (laughs) as time goes on. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Cody Dennis. I play Hal Gore, uh, whose in-game character is Mr. Hyde. I'm Jacob Easley, and I play the role of Troy Donalds, and Troy's in-game character is named Senep. For all you scholars out there, you can do it. For all scholars with dyslexia. (laughs) (laughs) Some intention. Um, but we can also go around and get to know a little bit. I think we're going to start a little bit of a tradition, getting to know our characters. And I think we'll go back around and go from there before we jump into our main storyline here. Oh, we're going to do we're going to do facts. Get a little get a little peek. Sneak yeah, yeah, facts. Sure. OK. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, Kyle here again. Uh, my <laughs> fact for Harvey this week is that. He is starting to make friends with the family of mice that live under his sink in his uh, dorm room. Uh, he's trying to cope with the newfound loneliness since his um, the company in his dorm room has gotten a little lighter recently. And, and 
we'll soon find out why. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's learning he's learning to get along with some some rodents that have made his Aww. dish soap rack and uh sponge collection their home. Mm. Oh no. I have so many questions about this little mice family. Oh, really? <laughs> like, uh, did he name them all, or... Well, I'm not sure if it's his place to give names. I imagine they have their own names. Oh, that's very considerate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I know, I, it's, it's, a, it's a very burgeoning relationship, so I don't know if really they've gotten to the point where there's been a formal introduction. He's just kind of trying to establish a dynamic Mm. I hope he can with. integrate himself into that family dynamic. So. <laughs> I think he hopes so, too. Family's important. It's important. Doesn't he know it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow, we'll move along to me. Again, it's it's Cody. You probably <laughs> missed me. Um, Cote. Cote. Yes. Cote. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Uh, fun fact about Hal. I got to think of inconvenient truths, I think, later. But uh, for today, fun fact. Fun fact is going to be he's exploring growing things at home. Yeah, uh, he's uh, just trying to figure out how to grow his own nourishment and mm. uh, keep himself alive. <laughs> what is he growing? I was about to say, what does nourishment mean uh, uh, to how? Uh, potatoes. Uh, oh, Lots yeah. of potatoes. <laughs> uh, a la Andy Weir, I think. Uh, you know, majorly inspired by books. Yeah, Did you read Andy. The Martian? Absolutely not. Oh my God, it was such a great book. <laughs> I saw the, the movie. Matt Damon movie. Yeah. Yes, Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. I also didn't see the movies. So. Phenomenal movie. I like the and movie. Great I've heard book. Good things about it. Oh, I just yeah. haven't seen it. No, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I guess we can move on to me now. Uh, Troy. Uh, his fact is that he has a poor mattress, <laughs> and it's not getting any better as time goes on. Troy right now is sleeping on sort of like a shredded cotton cover that's, to put it into very picturesque terms, surrounding a bed of rusty springs. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) Some are sticking out. Some of them are pokey. It seems that the rust has somehow made them sharper. Oh my God. So whenever whenever he's tossing and turning in the night, he usually wakes up and has to go get his his daily tetanus injections. <laughs> so he would rather sleep on this bed than just on the floor. Uh, you know what? He would because uh, he's got a bad back. And oh the, the I can't imagine why. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? That there's probably something there. Maybe the floor would be better, but he just hasn't put the put those pieces together. Oh my god! It sounds like he needs a purple mattress. <laughs> <laughs> Take a moment for our sponsor. <laughs> Please sponsor us, purple. Oh god, if you, I want a purple mattress so bad. I, I know. It's <laughs> If you listen closely, you can hear the sound of the fishing reel as it winds back and we try to hook a first sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that being said, I think we'll just go ahead and jump right in. The year is 2639. Planet Earth has developed into a desolate wasteland plagued by electrical storms and acid rain, tornadoes of fire and massive tsunamis. Over 50% of the world's geography has been submerged underwater, engulfed by perpetually rising sea levels. 
The sky is darkened by centuries of pollution as the land erodes beneath it. Bereft of various species of animals, the wildlife populations have been nearly decimated by the lack of resources remaining upon the Earth's surface. What remains of human civilization stands as a remorseful testament to a beautiful world that no one remembers. War, natural resource crises, the increasing prevalence of tropical diseases, the abandonment of volatile nuclear power plants, and their increasingly toxic output of radiation are just some of the contributions to humanity's population reduction from nearly 9 billion to a mere 2.4 billion. In order to divert themselves from the road of extinction, humans have formed a delegator council of political officials known as the Council of New World Leaders. To maintain a hospitable life, the International Department of Resource Conservation and the Ministry of Energy Acquisition have instituted policies in the hopes of sustaining and revitalizing the environment. As part of these policies, the world has liquidated all forms of currency to an internationally recognized form of cryptocurrency by the name of unity. The Council of New World Leaders has also mandated and internationally regulated the implantation of a chip known as the Axis in order to conserve what remains of human civilization. Despite the strides being made to accommodate the state of the world, people struggle to survive on a daily basis. Amid such miserable conditions, people turn to the distractions of entertainment. As technology continues to develop to unimaginable proportions, the Axis chip provides a unique opportunity for development companies specializing in virtual reality. Only one company has been able to utilize the software of the Axis chip implanted in every being on the world. And in doing so, released the first completely immersive virtual gaming experience called Utopia. It has been 24 years since the release of Utopia, and the game has become an international phenomenon. Since its release, the game has been unchallenged in its quality and has monopolized the entire entertainment industry. It has grown so much in popularity that skilled players have been given lucrative opportunities for income and profit. Utopia sparked a new way of life as people began to gravitate towards adventure, fantastical new worlds, and success. As humanity surges towards the prospect of this new virtual world, the question remains, how long before the real world is left behind? We'll go ahead and start with Harvey. In your younger years, it's another late night at the Northwest Technological Institute in your home compound of NA0632. NA, of course, denoting what remains of North America. In your current compound, you, along with your friend James and your brother Noel, hard at work on a project you lovingly called Frontiers. And, as frontiersmen, you are gathering like minds to attempt to bring a newfound competition, a newfound challenge, to the predominating company, the Axiom Network, who has brought forth Utopia. In an attempt, whether for profit or for equal opportunities, for people who later may also want to join this project, or just for the hell of it, you've come together to form this project in pursuit of many goals, many reasons, perhaps, but whatever they may be, you're doing it together, and... The code is just not adding up. You're starting to get a sense, though, of why this was such a difficult software to handle. From not only the access chip that you all implanted yourselves, but getting the access to each software and keeping that access localized to each person. It's been a lot of research and a lot of figuring out what you want your base software to do. How close or far you want it to be from the game. Right now, James, hard at work typing at his desk. Noel, throwing one of those 
like sticky hands he found at an old shop and he's just flinging it back against a wall. Flinging it back against a wall. Flinging it back against a wall. Ugh, I don't get it, dude. We've tried so many times and with different languages and like, how do we get past the access barrier? I don't know, man. We've been trying. We've been trying to do this for months now and we keep running into the same authoritative bullshit. <sighs> James, you don't have you don't have to tell me what I already know. I'm just trying to be helpful here. Harvey, do you have any new ideas? We've been plumbing at this for hours. James, uh, look, if Noel can find whatever god-awful polymer they made those sticky hands out of, <laughs> they made those things over 630 years ago. Well, yeah, it's cheap shit. You just go over to the chemistry students. They just fuck around in their free time. It's great. If they can solve that, carrying, carrying that from some Cretaceous period past, there's... There's no reason why we can't unwrap this code. I mean, it's just lines, just lines that need to be straightened out. Well, yeah, I know, I know. As you guys continue to debate, after a few more minutes, you hear the flickering of the lights above, kind of for a bit before power completely goes out in the dorm building. Shit. Ah, shit, the generators of this fucking, they went, they went out again, I thought... My soup was just done cooking. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can wait however many hours that it's going to take for us to get this figured out. Or, I don't know, whatever fuck these so-called administrators call a janitorial or custodial staff get out here. Or... I mean, we're just on the edge of the power grid. Let's let's go down to the cafe a couple blocks over. Great. Can finish it up there. I mean, I know we're probably pushing like, uh, Jesus, what time is it? Like 3 a.m.? Oh, fuck. Yeah. We can go down there. We'll finish it up. We'll finish up those couple of lines. We're, we're close, guys. I know. I know we're close. Uh, yeah. Uh, James, did you? Yeah, of course I saved everything. It's already. Whatever code we do there, we just have to remember to copy it back here so that we can do the text editor downloaded from the student servers so that it can all get put. We have to remember to copy it later. Look, I've got a couple of extra drives in the glove box. Let's just pack up what we need and we'll get down there. James closes the laptop and you all grab your gear and head out to an internet cafe where you'll have internet access to the databases that you need to continue to write code and eventually later save it to be re-uploaded to the school servers. As you are wrapping up at the cafe, you see it's pretty sparse in here. Not too many people out at 3 a.m. You see one or two Maybe students with headphones in and some container of something warm as they're plugging away on their laptops. You see someone that has something more sophisticated, a couple of screens. You see he's flipping through something in the air. You get the sense that he's using the focal screens from his chip to go over something either privately or just to quickly access something that he's uploaded before going back to his hardware, the physical laptop. Go ahead and make a perception check for me, Harvey. Oh, ho, ho, ho. as you okay. guys are packing up at the cafe. Well, you know, Harvey is pretty perceptive, you know, <laughs> bonus fun fact about the podcast and uh, Harvey at large, pretty perceptive guy. <laughs> Not too perceptive right now. Uh, we're looking at a, a hot 12. <laughs> okay. As you guys are packing up, you see one woman who has a duffel bag over her shoulder kind of a flatter style so it could fit something like a laptop some additional screen so she can double screen from her laptop to the monitor to have different viewing points she has some headphones over a knitted beanie covering some tangled messy brunette hair 
She brings down her glasses. Oh, uh, hey, I saw you guys working on some pretty serious stuff over here. Can I ask what you're doing? Uh, uh, you know, um... That's entirely classified, miss. My name's James. It is lovely to meet you at 4 a.m. Ooh, it is so late. Uh, James. What? Dude, she is totally my type. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, let's just, let's just play this close to the chest, huh? Yeah, 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 all right, all right, I get it. All you need to know is that it's super impressive. Oh, that's super cool. James, uh, pull out one of your high school medals from the robotics team. Maybe that'll impress her. Oh, yeah, you're so right. This one, and he just always has them on hand in his bag. It's worked so many times before. Oh, that's really impressive. Cool. Okay. You hear the bell of the door jingle as somebody else leaves. Uh, we should probably get going. Yeah, uh, James, get her number and let's get out of here. I got, I've got so many lectures to get through still tonight, and it's, what, uh, three hours until daylight? Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. Anyway, you'll, you'll text me? Yeah, I can totally do that. Thanks. Guys, she was so into me. That was awesome. Look like a winner, buddy. <laughs> As you guys exit the cafe, you get into your car. Comes to life and realigns itself with the proper... Essentially, everything's been reduced to automatic driving to where special pain or special energy cells and pads put into the road are able to align cars so that you're able to stay a safe distance from each other. You input a route, it takes you directly there, the safest way possible. Driving a car has become redundant. People just sit in the seats and mostly just talk or walk shows or work on whatever business they may have on the ride into or out of work just or just to different locations. And as you guys kind of orient yourselves, Harvey, Noel looks over to you. I, I know it kind of doesn't matter, but I'll just sit up in the driver's seat i guess yeah that's that's fine i'll ride shotgun i'm gonna i'm gonna put the seat back and i'm just gonna try to what do they call it meditate i just i i need some kind of mental rest before the day starts james you got this just keep an eye on things you can see he has his focal screen up refreshing it yeah you got it it's gonna be any minute i know it uh hey listen remember the last time let her let her make the first move, okay? Don't don't be goofy about it. Well, yeah, I, I did what you guys said this time. I gave her my number, and I didn't ask for hers because I didn't want to be creepy. Yeah, it, exactly. You guys said last time when I was looking up all the, like, when they said that they were going to text me, and they didn't. You, you overdid it a little bit. Yeah. But that's all right. Uh, you keep shooting, eventually you're going to hit something. As you guys are driving back to the school, you kind of get to that sense where you can feel your heartbeat in your ears. It feels very warm as you're kind of just starting to fade in and out of consciousness. Jane just starts working on different stuff. He's more active through his focal screens as he's shifting through things. You guys can't quite see. Noel looks over. Uh, hey, Harvey, do you think, um, I don't know, do you think... You really think this is going to work? I, I I don't know, no, but we got to try, right? Yeah, I, I mean, we have most of the code anyways. 
something's missing. It, it, there's just that one thing, but we'll find it. Yeah, we'll definitely and. As he's about to finish that sentence, you for a second see headlights from the driver's side window by Noel before everything goes black. You hear sirens, and you see blue and red flashing off broken glass on the side of the road as you, seemingly partially still in the seat in the reclining position, it looks like are partly on the concrete, and it looks like the car is completely on its side. Thankfully, your legs aren't being crushed under anything, they're just in contact with the road bending out towards where the door would be, surrounded by the broken glass of the passenger window. You see behind you, James, a large piece of shrapnel from the frame of the door bent inward and stabbed right through his neck. As you see blood everywhere, dripping down, you can hear it in the back seat, dripping down to the road beneath. As you look over at Noel, he is just slumped over, passed out. You just see dark, wet liquid dripping down the side of his head. As you see the glass shattered everywhere, you can see a couple of figures running around. You hear a couple of indescript voices. You can't quite make out what they're saying. What's your passive perception right now? 11. Yeah. Your head is throbbing and it is really difficult to make out. It happens so fast. You hear the buckles and clasps of your bags being shuffled as the trunk is opened and you hear things being taken. You see James, someone lifts his arm, just a figure, someone you can't see quickly grabs something. Looks like maybe his bag and starts running. You see someone looking in. Shit. It looks like that one is moving. Leave him. We don't have time. You hear doors closing and screeching of tires speeding away. And then you hear the sound of police sirens getting closer and closer and closer. Uh, Harvey tries to move his left arm to reach out to Noel beside him. You very limply try as you realize your strength shock of the situation is starting to dawn on you. You go over to Noel, you're barely able to reach out to him as his hand is dangling from his position over the driver's seat down to you as you guys are completely horizontal and touching elicits no response. You don't see any movement in his eyes. You eventually hear the sirens of an ambulance before your vision fades again. Fast forwarding about a couple of days... You're sitting in essentially kind of a waiting area. It's been about two days since the accident. There are big double doors. You're in initially the intensive care unit, and you were just redirected to one of the waiting areas outside of the operating rooms for close friends and family. The door opens. You'd see a nurse come out. She has light, pale blue scrubs on. It looks like she has a hairnet. She had just taken off gloves. It looks like she was assisting in the surgery. Okay, so, Mr. Watterson, good and bad news. I want to see him. Uh, they're, they're just finishing up. He's still in surgery. The procedure was a success. Unfortunately, we won't know how well he will recover until we fully recover him from anesthesia. And Mr. Watterson... While he is completely physically stable, we don't know if he will return to complete consciousness within his time of recovery within the next week, within the next month. His head trauma was extremely significant, and the skull fracture was... uh, It induced a brain hemorrhage that we're not sure if the damage will be reversible. Oh. When, um... When can I take him home? Mr. Watterson, the damage to his brain has left him incapable to 
of his own physical condition, be able to keep himself breathing. He will need to be on a ventilator for the foreseeable future, until he has recovered enough to at least start doing that on his own. Harvey massages the sides of his head, and he looks up and says to the nurse, I... I... What am I supposed to do now? I've got a funeral to plan. I've got... I'm, I'm so, so sorry about your friend. I, I've got... <laughs> Got so much that I need to get done. Where, what, what do I, what do I do? Well, you can see him after he's brought out of surgery, and he's brought to his room, where he will remain hospitalized until we see some improvement in his condition. He will be there, waiting for you. You will have plenty of time to take care of things outside of the hospital. We have your number. We have immediate ways of contacting you if there are any changes in his condition. I'll. I'll be right here. As soon as he's ready, I'll I'll be right here. Please come and get me. Of course. And, uh, Mr. Watterson, I regret that I need to be the person to tell you this, but due to the nature of the accident, there has been a call for an investigation. Unfortunately, insurance will not cover the current procedures until the investigation has proven the nature of this accident. I'm, I'm sorry? These are automated vehicles. How could... How could... How could Noel or James or I have possibly been at fault? That is what they're going to try and figure out. Not just for you, but they're trying to figure out if there was a malfunction in another automated car, but of course there was no other car at the scene. They don't know if there was tampering either with your car, with the mechanism itself, which would be an even greater issue with Homeland Security that would need to be taken into consideration. This is extremely unprecedented, and until they have the full story, unfortunately... We need additional measures to be taken to cover Noel's care. Uh, all right. We have a specific department that will handle these matters that I can direct you to, but... Yeah. For the moment, I can let you know where Noel will be placed once he is stabilized. Well, you can have whoever needs to talk to me about money come meet me right here. I'm not moving from this place until I get to see my brother. Okay. A couple of more days pass, almost a week as you spend the majority of your time waiting by Noel's bedside. He remains on a mechanical ventilator, unable to breathe on his own, completely comatose. You can see slowly physical recovery is happening, as even through unconsciousness, his body is able to, with natural processes, start to heal over cuts. It's only been a week, but it's still noticeable that you can see the processes of bruises, other abrasions heal. And periodically, you are checked on by nurses who not only check on you, but bring you water, bring you any food that you can. And it's at this point that one of the financial advisors towards the end of the week comes to you. <clears throat> so, um, Mr. Watterson, my name is Financial Officer Andrews. I was personally assigned to your case. Uh, all right, let, uh, let's get to it, Andrews. Uh, unfortunately, the extent of this investigation is going to take much longer than we thought. For the time being, we are still unable to lend the insurance coverage to your brother's care that's needed. However, a layaway has been placed on your Unity account. Right, so... Once this investigation has concluded, we will be able to, provided that we find no fault with you, of course, or anything within the control of your brother or your friend... Resolving the matter of everything that happened entirely, we will be able to reimburse you for all charges expended towards your brother's care and yours, of course, for the initial ambulance and taking care of your wounds. However, 
the margin for debt that will be imbibed upon your account will continue to grow for a significant period of time that, unfortunately, I am unable to give you an exact date for. You're, you're, you're just speaking in vague terms here, Andrews. Where are we going with this? What, what do you want from me? I'm telling you, if you have any savings, if you have other family friends, I would reach out and gather resources as quickly as you can, because I don't know how long this is going to last. I, I understand. I will continue to supply you with updates and other developments as soon as I hear of them. I, do you, do you see him? My brother there? Uh, yes, Mr. Watterson. I, I, I don't have a ton of time to be waiting around for these sort of things. No. But he has no time for it. We have our best people working on this, I can assure you. This completely tragic and unprecedented event will be met with serious litigation for those who are responsible. I, I should hope so. Sorry, I have taken up enough of your time, Mr. Watterson. And he starts heading out of the room. Harvey reaches out and grabs a hold of Noel's hand. He, he says, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, Noli. James, James's parents couldn't even come to the funeral. Uh, they're, they're however many districts over. They, they couldn't even come. I, I haven't heard from mom and dad. I, what do I do, Noli? His hand is warm, but unresponsive. Just as it has been for some time. Um, Harvey buries his head in his hands and sits by Noel's bedside. The TV in the room, you see it flashes to a commercial. The Axiom Network is proud to present Utopia, a wonderful place of fantastical quests, creatures, and things none have ever seen before. A completely immersive virtual reality experience that, once undertaken by a player, the opportunities are endless. You see various flashes of what look like video streams of people battling enemies and doing quests, sailing on ships, tunneling underground, and you see it go across to a very prominent face that's become very well known. You see a kind of pearlescent skin with bright purple hair, kind of slick back, and a bright maroon pink kind of suit jacket with a black shirt underneath. Take it from me, Star Searcher. I was once nobody. No one knew me, not a penny to my name. I was hopeless. With Utopia, I was able to become one of the most successful men in the world today. Come, explore the sky. Become a Star Searcher yourself with Utopia. A chance for all. It goes to the next commercial. Harvey scoffs. <laughs> what a fucking crack. I... Well... Well, maybe. Maybe something there. I mean, I don't have my own game, but... I sure as shit know how that one works. Um, Harvey clasps his hands around Noel's hand a little tighter, and he says, uh, All right. I'm gonna figure this out. All right, I think we'll go ahead and move over to Troy. Oh, boy. Mr. Donald. <laughs> Troy, in your compound, we move over to what was once known as Vancouver, Canada, but now retains the moniker of NA0094. Mm. Troy, things are pretty good. You just learned what a soccer ball is. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> Some awesome new colored puzzles that mostly look like toys, one of your favorite stuffed animals. You haven't seen it for a little while. 
Your parents assured you it's in the wash, so mm-hmm. you're pretty confident you'll see that again soon. But, you know, things are pretty good. A little chilly sometimes. And as things continue, there comes one day where it's a little harder to remember. But you remember. You remember, most of all, there was one day. You were playing, and then you heard a sound from the kitchen, and you go over, and you see your mom kind of doubled over as her hand is on the counter. She goes to sit down. Your dad comes home later that day, and then about a few days later, you've had a couple of visits to a strange place. There's been a lot of people in kind of different pale colors walking by. There's a couple of people in white coats. One day, you see your dad pulled aside, and you see... You've never seen your dad cry before, but you start to feel a little scared. And eventually, you guys go back home. You have a small toy in your hand, a stuffed animal, whatever you remember it to be. And you remember this being the day your dad told you mommy wasn't coming back home. Since then, your dad was at home with you all the time. Things tried to get as normal as possible. The feelings of sadness and natural grieving of coming to terms with what your new lives would look like. And then there was another day. You remember your dad saying that he was going to fix things. That he was going to make things better. And that there were ways that everything would be okay and that you would both move to a better place. You could find new things, have more toys, and play more games. About a couple of weeks after that, people start coming to the house. Papers are starting to pile up on your dad's table and on the counter. You saw him get into that wave of sadness again. Not like when you lost your mom. It was different. This seems to linger. It seems to come back every time one of those people come to the door. There's one day. Go ahead and make a perception check for me. Uh, Dirty 20. You're watching your show that your dad leaves on for you, and you hear a loud sound, like a banging, coming from your dad's office. Um, okay, uh, how old am I right now? You're, like, eight, a couple months from your ninth birthday. Okay, um, I will investigate the loud banging noise. You hear, oh, that's a great idea, Paul, and, well, thanks, Steve. In the background, starting to fade from the cartoon, (laughs) and as it starts to fade, you go towards your dad's office, and the door's closed. Okay, I will open. Uh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll knock first. Mm-hmm. You open it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I <right>. politely <laughs> open it. Dad? Uh, you see what looks like a fan has fallen off the desk and is rotating slowly on the ground. You see your dad sitting in a chair, not moving. Troy kind of pokes his head in a little further, um, sort of waves at his dad. Uh, hey, dad, everything okay in here? Uh, your dad is still breathing. Make a medicine check with disadvantage because you're eight years old. Yeah, because you're, yeah, okay. you're a baby. <laughs> oh my God. Nice. I rolled really well. Uh, dirty 20. This isn't like when mom fell. You can see his chest is moving. He's breathing. It's a little fast though. 
you can see that his eyes are open, but there's some kind of wet, kind of like a liquid, almost like a Vaseline-like substance in his eyes that's along the bottom of them. He's otherwise not moving. Do you see his eyes flicker back and forth, kind of like they would in REM sleep? Um, but his eyes are open? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Troy, Troy will slowly approach and slowly wave as dad. Uh, hey, hey, dad, what, what, are you, what are you doing? What's going on? Uh, no response. Okay. Uh, Eight-year-old Troy, what, what are we doing here? Uh, you just waving at him, right? More, yeah, more so like moving my hand back and forth, you know, um, rather than like a wave. Um, not not like trying to say hi or anything. Troy's going up to his dad. Uh, he gets right up next to him and sort of like touches his shoulder and shakes him a little bit. You touch his shoulder and for a moment he remains unresponsive. And then you see his eyes flicker open and he says, Oh, fuck! Oh, oh Troy! Fuck! I, I mean, fudge! Uh... Hey, kiddo. <laughs> what was that word? D- don't worry about it, and don't repeat it. Uh, everything okay, buddy? Well, I was gonna ask you. Yep, yep. Uh, just doing adult stuff. You see, he starts running his hands through his hair or what's left of it. Mm. It's been a very stressful few years for him. He definitely seems very frazzled. Uh, here, buddy. Why don't Why don't we go back to cartoons? I'll be there in a second. Uh, okay. Sounds sounds good. And I guess Troy is just going to turn around and walk out. Um, he goes up to the door, uh, motions back as dad. Uh, do you want Do you want this closed? Yep. Uh, yep. That would be great. <laughs> Closes it. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of hears footsteps as he approaches it. You hear him put his hand on the handle, deciding if he wants to lock it or not. But you don't hear him lock it. You just hear his footsteps go back. Uh, okay. Troy goes back to the cartoons. Um, what are we watching? Paul and Steve. Paul and Steve, the classic. <laughs> Fast forward. Paul and Steve, all right. <laughs> Fast forward to a couple months. Your dad comes up to you. Uh, hey, uh, buddy. Oh, we're going to be... We're going to be moving to a new place okay 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 um how is troy's relationship with the other kids like at school like where where does troy go to school is he homeschooled Uh, up to you whatever you think it would be okay well i imagine he's just going to public school dad doesn't have time to school him Uh, i would say nothing that you did but when other kids heard your mom died they didn't know what to do with that and you kind of of no fault of your own, became kind of a loner. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, and so you kind of became the quiet kid that spends time with himself, making up games for himself, playing alone. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so Troy's like, okay, where are we going? A new adventure, buddy. We're going a little further out of the city. It's going to be great. New people, make some new friends, and this is just going to be a whole new adventure. You know, I think Troy is pretty apathetic at this point in his life. Uh, <laughs> his mom being gone and everything. No. Already Maybe. checked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Troy's just going to be like, okay. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate that. Your dad packs a bag, as much essentially of your guys' clothes as he can. And you've noticed over the past few months that the house has been getting pretty sparse. There's not really a lot left. 
there used to be some decorations, maybe some things that were valuable, not there anymore. And as you start making your way towards a bus station, because you don't have your car anymore, mm-hmm. you see those people that you have been seeing start arriving at your home behind you as you guys have started walking away. And then nine years later, you turn 18. Wahoo. And where would you imagine Troy being at 18? Oh, man. At 18, uh, Troy probably, he's probably still a loner. Probably a couple close friends that he made at his new school, if, as long as they didn't move schools again. Um, <gasps> as far as I remember, we decided that Troy's dad was going to work for the factory, right? How old about was Troy when that happened? Uh, nine, shortly after you guys lost your house. Okay, okay. So I'm living on my own at nine, or am I living with him at the factory, just like not working? With him, yeah, with him. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I think at 18, Troy has moved out of the factory because he learned about his bank account, right? Yep. So I was going to get to that too. Uh, Your friends got together a party for you. Most of the people there, you don't really know, but it's a party to have a party. It's kind of on the outskirts of town in one of the old abandoned parking lots. Although it's what you would equate to an old drive-in theater. There's some small buildings and some big speakers. A couple of people have brought in the new modern technology, different speakers and different sound systems that they have going around and lights. And one of your friends, Vanessa. Hey, Troy! Congratulations, 18, I'm moving out. Vanessa seems like the person I wouldn't really care for. You're friends with her because she says you're friends. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah got it. <laughs> um, oh, uh, hi, Vanessa. So, have you told your dad yet? About, like, moving? Oh, I, I, I don't know. Um, what's his condition? Is he is he fine working at the factory? You've seen that he's tired, but he kind of has a facade that, as you've gotten older, you've seen through. He tries to make it seem like everything is okay for you. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I haven't told him yet. Uh, there's still a lot of pretty loose plans, I guess, so I don't... Hey, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, I'm, we'll see. At this point... Has Troy found out a bank account about the bank account? It's about at this time that you see, you get a little notification, kind of like a little ping, as your focal screen comes up with a notification from Authority Bank. Mm, okay, uh, I'll, I'll swipe it open. You see a notification account holder, and it has your security number associated with your access chip. You have been gifted the total sum of 575,000 Unity. As you scroll down the notification, you see the transaction from a different security number and immediately syncs with the information of that of your grandmother. Okay, uh, Troy is Troy's definitely stunned right now. Uh, is, is Vanessa still there? Hello! She waves her hand in front of you. <laughs> what just, what just happened? Uh, this would be a screen that you see from your eye hanging in the air. So Troy's just staring in the air. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is Troy's grandma still alive? I would say probably up to you. Probably not. Hello? What just happened? Oh, did you get, like, did someone send you birthday nudes? Those are the best. <laughs> oh, my God. Because, <laughs> like, they put effort into it because it's your birthday. Uh, I ignore Vanessa, and I walk sort of, like, almost through her. Whoa! Okay, shit. Yeah, and I, I just sort of exit the party. Oh, oh my god, Ian! And she just runs off as you hear that in the background. 
The music starts fading behind you as you walk back into town. Uh, I will head to the bank. It's closed. Okay. Um, <laughs> wait, is it Sunday after five or something? <laughs> no, it's empty. It's nighttime. Shouldn't shouldn't banks be so automated that they just function on at all hours? Yeah, I would. I mean, imagine there's like AI tellers at this point. There would be. Yeah, there'd be ATMs. Which stands for automated teller machines. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> Troy's going to go to an ATM and he's going to double check his balance. Uh, th- there's no cash, right? Like, I can- he's not going to, he can't withdraw cash. It, it's all Unity. It's all cryptocurrency, which you use through your chip. Nothing physical. Okay, okay. Yeah, so he's going to go to the ATM and just check this account, I guess. Yeah. So you go to an ATM and you hear facial recognition scan. Scanning. Welcome, account holder. It says your security number. Oh, yeah, we don't want to tell the audience that one. It's private. (laughs) Five, five, five. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You are given access to your account, and it shows the increase in your balance. Well, God dang. Uh, (laughs) Troy is dumbfounded. He decides to go home, um, or... To wherever home is, the factory is? Uh, yep. Your father works at a factory for the Better Days Corporation. Okay. Troy's going to go to their bedroom area, um, the living quarters, I suppose. Is his dad there? Is he still working? He would be sleeping at this point. Okay. So Troy goes back to his room, and he has this realization that he might not want to tell his dad about the money. As you open the door, he kind of... Oh, hey, kiddo, how was your party? It it was it was good. Good. Hey, I, I didn't get the chance to give it to you, but I left your present on your bed. Uh, Troy goes and checks it out. You see that for your 18th birthday, it is an old kind of like a photo album. It's small, fits in your hand of tangible photos of you and your mom. The one in the very back is of you and her when you were just born. Uh, d- dang, Dad, thanks. This is this is really great. Yeah, it was a it was a pain to find a camera that took physical photos, but she insisted. I'm glad she did. Uh, Troy just puts it in his pocket, uh, still thinking that he doesn't know if he's gonna tell his dad about the money or not. Uh, hey, Dad, do you know if Grandma ever like? I don't know. Was she like? God, she and I kind of. She and I stopped talking after some stuff with your mom. Um, okay. Uh, well, okay. Thanks. Good, good night. Good night. Oh, happy birthday, son. Yeah, th- thanks. Thanks again, Dad. Uh, and then Troy's just gonna lay down in his bed, probably not sleep his, with his mind racing, thinking about all this money and, you know, what, what to do with it. Uh, fast forward another nine years and... Boy, did that money go fast. Yeah. (laughs) Walking down the streets, thinking what you could possibly do, looking for jobs. So far, things have been okay. Grandma left a pretty good sum, but in today's world for a comfortable living style, adequate food, other creature comforts, that money starts to dwindle down. It's starting to get to the point where options are getting slim. Okay. You have a couple notifications from the Better Days Corporation. Some are just check-in messages from your dad. Some are marketing emails reminding you what better days can do for you. Get your quote today. You know, I feel like Troy's always going to respond to his dad. I think he definitely decided not to tell his dad about the money. 
um, and instead he told him about planning on moving out and then lying about having saving up some money from working and stuff. Uh, so Troy and his dad still have, as far as Troy hopes, uh, they still have somewhat of a good relationship. Fast forward and you find yourself in a small office. As the months continue, you're really dwindling down to your last few thousand unity. As you sit there, you're at this desk with a very large glass monitor in front of you that you can see through transparently. Behind it, you see opening a door entering the room, a woman with bright orange hair and two poofball pigtails with bright blue eyes and bright red lipstick that kind of almost gives a frightening aspect to her smile. As she starts walking over, Okay, okay, dearest, thank you so much for coming in for your counseling session. Now, of course, no obligations are to be met in this one, but I understand that you're trying to get a little information about better days. You can hear her nails clacking on, <laughs> not a keyboard, but it's a flat screen that you see, uh, see buttons with little letters that light up as she presses it, and her nails are very long. Okay. So, of course, our stipulations. We give you all the resources you need. You work for us for a much well-reduced wage. And, of course, your mandated 30 hours a week spent in-game with Utopia and our percentage what that would come from your exploits within the game. You you get 30% of it? Oh, sorry, sweetie. That was old numbers. It's now 80. Oh, Okay, yeah, okay. And then, of course, you're forgoing your rights for lotteries in the game if ever should the new software arise when you are gifted from the Axiom Network and all parent companies and authoritative figures within the game. Any sort of gifts through other advantages, such as, and not excluded to, the parent software authoritative application, or what's most commonly known as the world software, that would immediately, de facto, be brought over to us and... Let me see here. Yep, pretty much. All this is in order. All this is in order. Yes, yes, yes. You'd be signing your whole rights to that percentage of the unity again to us in exchange for our full package of care and housing. Okay. Um, I mean, can I take some time to think about this? Oh, yes, of course, of course. Uh, Again, no obligations, no obligations. This is a counseling session, sweetie. Don't feel pressured at all. She slides across the screen what looks like a small glowing square that, when it crosses the desk, opens up to a bunch of files of the contract, a pamphlet for Utopia, and an introductory brochure with the image of the internet celebrity known as Star Searcher. You know, he's one of our greatest success stories. His autobiography is absolutely enchanting. Uh, oh, okay. Well, well, thanks. Of course, of course, of course. You know, I've, I've wondered, if I start making a livable wage... Off, you know, the 20% that I make, because you guys take 80, um, is it possible to, like, leave, or, like, am I here? Like, would I be able to be, like, Star Searcher and have my own life? Oh, well, there's definitely a buyout of your contract, so yes, absolutely. Oh, there's a buyout, okay. Yes, of one million units. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, um, but that's, that's exactly... Troy reacts, yeah. Uh, wow, okay, yeah. Uh, did did Star Searcher really make that much? And then some, sweetie. Oh, oh right. And it's it, it's a million for everyone. Like, no no differences. Uh, to buy out, of course. And that mostly just covers the use of resources we put into you. So really, it's essentially like a loan, if you think about it. You're just paying back what we gave you. Uh, I guess that makes sense. Um, you guys are housing us and feeding us, you know, it just, yeah works out i suppose well of course but take your time take your time all right um, oh, it's 
so sorry, sweetie, but I've got a lot of people coming in today. But you have my number. It's in the pamphlet there, and I can get you all set up with our higher-ups here, our corporate officials, and get you all set. Whatever you need, we're always here for you, sweetheart. Okay. Well, yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll take some time to think about it. Thank you. And my name is Clarissa, okay? Uh, okay. Th- thanks, Clarissa. Of course. You're welcome. Okay. Next! I'll take you who's next! She kind of like (laughs) gently leads you out of the office and motions over to the receptionist. As you're left walking out of the building, you have pulled up on your focal screen the cliff notes of those contracts scanning in front of you. Um, Yeah, as I'm reading it, I'm really not liking what I'm seeing. Oh, no. It it is so extremely advantageous of the person signing it. (laughs) Yeah. If anything, it motivates Troy to just start playing the game himself, especially since he he realizes if people can make a million dollars just off of eight or 20 percent or whatever their rate used to be he feels confident that he can probably maybe do it too all right and as we leave off there we will go back over to hal you are in your younger years it's just been you and your brother edward as long as you've known You guys have a small apartment to yourselves, pizza and ice cream almost every single night, or at least the gelatinous equivalents that you're able to muster every once in a while. Hell yeah. And while Edward has been working a lot for the both of you, he has been very encouraging of your more creative exploits as he starts getting you into very dynamic conversations outside of school about things that you're learning. And as you move through elementary school, most of the compounds, schools especially, are mainly concrete playgrounds and buildings, very minimal. Most of the colors from chalk drawings from kids along the walls and on the ground, uh, maybe some faux terrain and isolated areas. But one day, you come home from school and Edward says, Hey, Al, hey, buddy. You have a good day? Oh, I, I, it, was, it was a great day. I mean, we learned so many cool facts about the, the sun and, you know, just the, the way it revolves around. And it's just, it's, it's just, it's mind-blowing, Edward. It's just mind-blowing. You want to see something even more mind-blowing? <laughs> I'm more mind-blowing than the sun? I doubt it, but uh, sure. Yeah, okay, whatever. Okay, cool. You, you got to be super, super quiet, though, okay? Because... This is technically not allowed. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, He takes you out of the apartment, and as you guys are going down some of the familiar streets, he takes a turn you've never seen before. You start realizing that you're going towards the outskirts of the compound. Okay, buddy, now, I need you to put this on. He hands you what looks like a completely clear, full face shield, but with an additional cylindrical part on the outside of it. Uh, What? This looks like I'm a gladiator. This is cool. What is this? It's uh, it's a safety thing, but totally fine where we're going. We're not going to be out there long. It's just there's something that I really wanted to show you. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is cool. This is this is really cool. I'm excited. Okay, okay. Uh, do, uh, do I do I need to close my eyes or or can I keep them open? Uh, definitely keep them open. You don't want to fall. Oh, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> He looks around, and as you see that you come up against the outer walls of the compound, and you see that he's rubbing a hand, his hand against the wall, and every once in a while, he's like, hold on, and then throws you into some bushes. You see someone walking around the perimeter, then he keeps you walking. 
Eventually, you get to another bush where a bunch of ivy strands are growing up along the side of the concrete wall. Okay, kiddo, right there. And he points towards the inside of the bush. Uh, you just wanted to show me a, a bush? I, I don't understand. No, 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 it's not the bush. It's what's inside of it. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I, I, I guess he sticks his head straight into the bush. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like there's a fracture in the wall, and it looks like there's a hole in the ground that started to have been dug, and it looks like it just fit an adult human about Edward's size. Does this lead to where I think it leads to? Want to find out? Yeah, let's go. Okay, you go first. Go, go, go. All right. Uh, And he just goes right in. Yeah, but you just squirrel through. Okay, there's a couple of bushes on the left. Wait for me. He comes through. Edward takes him a second. You you got it? You just got to suck it in. Yep. Thank you. And what you can initially see is some more bushes, but you're looking up towards the sun. You see there's these brilliant branches of bright green leaves of a massive oak tree that's almost as tall as the wall itself. As Edward peers around, you think... You've seen smaller trees, but nothing like this before. Uh, what is this? Hang on. We're just getting started, but we have to stay quiet. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. I know. It's awesome. Okay, okay. Now, go, 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 go. That one, that one. And he points to what looks like another tree. Slightly smaller, but you guys start darting between trees of what looks like a forested area of some kind. And it's only about five minutes before you start hearing the sound of water. Wait, what? There, is there running water around here? Yeah. No, how? Yeah, yeah, I'll show you. He starts bringing you through, and you start hearing the trickling and the running of water over stone as he leads you to a very small but viable little creek that goes off in the distance towards the opposite direction of the compound. Put your hand in. It, it's safe? I, I, I can do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay. I, uh, and he sticks his hand in, I think, probably cautiously at first. Like, just, just a little dab, and he pulls it right back. It's cold. I, are you are you sure this is okay? Well, yeah. I mean, technically, it's water from the compound, but it's eroded through the ground. It's going somewhere else. Oh. And he, I guess he just dives his hand right on in. You do. And as you look around, go ahead and make a perception check for me. Oh, great. I was about to say, this must be teeming with biolife right now. <laughs> uh... I have a feeling that's going to be just a straight up nine. Oh, do I get the same stats as adult me? (laughs) Yeah, I'd say for these purposes, go ahead and use those. Uh, Okay, that's a 14. Yeah, everyone really stops developing at eight, nine, ten years old anyway. (laughs) You hear kind of a whistling sound. Edward. Yeah. Do you hear that? What is that? Is there? Is that some kind of machine? Shh. Look up. He points up and you see, fluttering around two trees, a little bird. I, I thought those were all extinct. The, the water here, it's, it's helping the plants grow. And there's water, when there's plants, it creates food for animals like this. Just small ones for now, you know, but 
get enough of them and then you get bigger ones. So if there are more spaces like this, you're, you're telling me there will be more of that? Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Oh my god. Oh my god, I can't. Edward, <laughs> Edward, do you know what this means? <laughs> we, we, we have to preserve this. We have to save this. I kind of thought you might say so. I, I have, I've, I've, I've got to start taking notes. Uh, I have to, I have to start collecting samples. I, um... Yeah, yeah but we, we should get back, though. We, we really should get back. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, but, I mean, wow, just... You, you're the best brother ever, Edward. Uh, don't, don't mention it, Al. No, come on. Let's go. And as you guys start running, eventually you see there's a couple more people along the wall. Go ahead and make a stealth check for me. Oh, okay, because I am a stealthy boy. Uh, who apparently likes to pretend he's stealthy. That's an eight. <laughs> you see, uh, one of the individuals has something in their hand that looks like a very old-timey satellite radio, but a bit bigger. Holding it in his hand, he looks down. Oh, shit, they're right there. Oh, fuck, this is going to be so much paperwork. You see people coming down, and Edward says, Okay, go, go, go! And you start sprinting back into the city along with your brother, and as you do, you see a black, unmarked car coming along the wall. You see uh, people just start running from the edge of the wall to the outskirts where you can see parts of the outpost where stairs would go down to get access to the road. And as you guys are running, you just see where they came out from and hear, okay, who did, who let this happen? And as they gesture to the part of the bush that you guys came out of, Edward looks to you and says, I, I don't think we could do that again, buddy. That's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that we can actually do this again, okay? Because I can't not experience that again. That was just so cool. Why would they even want to cover that up? Well, being out there for too long can get a little dangerous and he starts taking off his mask oh so that's why we wore these yeah i mean the pollution's everywhere but out there you're a little more exposed i mean we're fine where we were but if you go farther out you start getting into areas that are, are a little a little more dicey you'll, you'll learn about that though oh yeah i will i'll make sure to learn all about it <laughs> he starts rubbing so his hands cute. together as he starts to think about all the things he wants to, to begin researching now. Kind of fast forwarding to high school, you have a couple friends that you've gathered. One guy in particular, Jackson, comes up to you. Man, I really don't get you, dude. Your whole obsession with the environment? Don't you know that tech is all where it's at? Jackson, listen to me, okay? Technology can't even begin to touch how amazing nature is, okay? Like, okay, all right. All right, look. So... Whatever game you like to play, okay, where it gets real intense, well, that's the motherfucking environment. <laughs> okay, there are things called volcanoes. Do you know what a volcano is? Nah. Dude, it's just like a fucking mountain of lava that, like, when pressure builds up and, and the magma starts to rise underneath, just it starts going to town and, and everything erupts and it's this amazing... Just how can you not think something like that is cool? <laughs> Sounds like my weekends. <laughs> Nice, nice. I actually <laughs> definitely give him a high five for that one, too. But, but I'm telling you, if we spend as much time out there as you do, and he just points to his brain, which is, I think, the way I assume they log in. Are you saying nature is as good as masturbating? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Whoa. It's whack, okay? And we have to conserve it. We have. To protect it, we have to research it so we can understand how to make our lives more sustainable. 
Well, my dad says conservation is a money pit where dreams go to die. But I'll be watching for you when I'm making money with, I don't know. My dad said I'd have a shot with Axiom, but that's a little too corporate, if you know what I mean? <laughs> Trust me, there's so much money in research and in nature, it's insane. I mean, all right, dude, I'm with you on that. I mean, not like with with you, but like, I get it. Like, I don't get it, but I'm I'm vibing with it. Hal is starting to wonder why he's really friends with Jackson. <laughs> so did you, like, want to go get food with me later? Like, it's on me again. Oh. Yeah, you know me. I can't say no to free food. This is probably why he's friends with Jackson. <laughs> uh, plus, I have to make sure that you're recycling your cups correctly. I still don't understand how recycling works. Like, why can't we just burn all of it? Dude, just think about how many more times you could use that same cup for the same action. But it's, like, dirty when you use it. Fast <sighs> forward to later. I would say this is about when you're in your earlier 20s, starting going to college. Uh, Edward says to you, Hal, okay, bud, I've got a huge surprise for you, but you have to keep your eyes closed the whole time. It, it's not like that one surprise. You know, like that, that first time a long time ago? You're not just going to take me to some kind of poisonous, hazardous field, are you? Okay, like, we were out there for, like, maybe five minutes, and I made sure the bad stuff couldn't touch you. I'm just kidding. It's okay. <laughs> I know you would never do anything to harm me. You're the best brother. <laughs> so he drives you for quite a bit of ways. It's about 20, 30 minutes or so. Where are we going? Don't worry about it. You'll see when we get there. You eventually walk for a little bit. You hear him talking uh, through what sounds like a chain link fence, which is kind of bizarre because those aren't really used in the compound. There's some ramshackle areas that have old scrap metal and things like that, but definitely nothing functional like this. Uh, as you start walking past... Are we going to get mugged? <laughs> no, no. Keep going. Keep going. He's holding his hands over your eyes at this point. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Eventually he stops, turns you around three times. Is that really necessary? Turns you the other way three times. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yes. Stay there. <laughs> what, what else, where else am I going to go? Uh, you hear something like ridged metal grinding, like <laughs> as he's pulling on a chain pulley or some kind, he rushes back over to you. Okay. Okay. Open your eyes. Uh, now? Yes, yes. 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 Okay. You open your eyes to what looks like a rudimentary lab space created in what looks like a set of repurposed storage units. Has he already put some of my supplies in here? Mm-hmm. Yep. Edward, I was asking where some of these things were. You're so sneaky. <laughs> I know, but it's for a good reason, okay? So I know it's not all of your stuff, and I don't know how to set up half of this stuff, but I put it kind of organized, I think, big stuff to little stuff. And so here's the thing. I got a discount on this unit because there's a hole in it. But I could either patch it up for you if you want, or I thought it would be cool if you want to use it for your plants that grow, because you do, like, the sunlight thing, photo, sensimony, sensory... Yeah, yeah it, it synthesis, but, you know, cl close enough, man. <laughs> that, that's sick. Yeah, you know. Uh, if you want to do that, uh, do that stuff in the corner, and then... And so it's... It's kind of like the boonies out here, right? So I could set up screens and stuff out here for you if you wanted, but... It's pretty, it's pretty analog so far for what I've got. But if you wanted, you could turn it into something really cool. Hal, this whole time, uh, has been just walking, kind of straight face, observing, taking everything in. And he just uh, looks back at his brother. I, I know it's not a lot of stuff. Th this is, this is the best 
gift anyone could ever give me. Like, I, I can't even. I, I don't know what to say, Edward. I mean, because I know at school they have you doing projects, but they're not ones that you really want to do. And I figured your studies here, they could be like a way more useful use of your time. Oh, and here's this. He hands you a numbered keychain to the storage unit with the key. It's like, however you want to use it, this place. And he gestures over to the sign for store for you. So, yeah, yeah. If you want it. <laughs> if I want it? <laughs> uh, he just goes in to embrace his brother. A, a nice, mm. tight, heartfelt hug. I, I, I seriously, I, I couldn't have asked for a better brother. Honestly, I, I, I just can't wait to get started. I, I, I can have this be my research station over here, and and over here, this can be where I and 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 this spot over. I, you're right. I, I can start growing all of my plants here, and I, this is just amazing. That's what I thought. And you can like repurpose some kind of rain thing. Exactly. I don't know what they're called. Uh, uh, he, Hal just immediately starts going to town on what he wants to set up in his lab and uh, starts to right then and there reorganize things as he's animatedly speaking with Edward about all of his plans. And it's been a couple years later and you've had a lot of time to really make this place flourish and you've made it your own. You set up experiment stations, you set up different areas like a small garden essentially, you have different things growing... And essentially, you've gotten this whole area set up as a sophisticated, fully functioning greenhouse and experimental area for whatever projects you would wish to pursue. One day, coming home from work, you... Oh, um, at this point, probably good to establish canonically that I have altered some of my physical features. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Edward would have, on one of your birthdays, given you access to some software that he said he had earned while he was working one day as a benefit to try and assimilate a little bit more into some of those higher-up crowds you would eventually need to approach for funding for your projects. In doing so, you were gifted a minor cosmetic alteration, and your eyes had taken on a brilliant, lustrous gold color. After a while, continuing to start working on your projects, you start getting some feasible projections built up to show investors. You've gotten some finite routes of experiments to go forth with, and perhaps even one day, pitch to the International Department of Resource Conservation or the Ministry of Energy Acquisition. As you come home from another great day's work, you're approaching your guys' apartment and... Uh, so am I with my brother at this point in time, or...? Uh, no, and the door's wide open. Oh, uh, who is... Uh, am, and so nobody's with me. Is it just me? Oh, sorry. Like you're walking home alone, back from. The lab. Okay. 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 Great. Uh huh. Hmm. Seems rather careless of my brother. That's I, kind of not the norm. Uh, I, I I check my phone just to see if there's anything on there. Do I see anything? No. Uh, okay. Um. Well, then I'm 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 just gonna investigate. I, I get to the door and. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah. Make an investigation check for me. Okay. Edward? Edward, uh, you home? Your door's unlocked. Uh, actually, it's uh, it's kind of wide open. Uh, that was unhelpful. What am I rolling <laughs> here again? No, investigation. Oh, well, I, I, never mind. That was a 25. Uh, the lock on the door is blatantly open. And he goes into panic mode. Edward? Edward, are, are you home? Where are you? Edward! Do you go in? I go inside. You go inside. It is a mess. Tables are turned over. There are like pillows open, like 
not feathers, but like some synthetic material spread out over the ground. It looks like from when a pillow was ripped open, you start seeing blood splatter. Oh, shit. And it's in some parts of the kitchen. And following that there, you see a knife is missing. Fuck, uh, Edward. Edward, this isn't a game, man. This is, you need to say something if you're here. You hear sound from another room. Oh, I I run to investigate any any noise. I'm just I'm I'm just there. You rush over. You open the door. You are immediately slammed into by another individual, completely decked out, black clothing, a hood of some kind, completely nondescript. You can't tell. He just seems like a huge masculine figure that is pushed into you. You see your brother pushing him in front of you and slams inadvertently you into the wall with this man on top of you, as Edward. You see a cut on his forehead, bleeding down his face. He has to practically close one eye. You see blood coming from one of his shoulders. And as his eyes go wide as he sees you behind this individual, let's go, and the individual slams right back into your brother. And they start wrestling on the ground in the other room. You just hear, fuck, fuck, hell, run! Uh, Oh, okay. And he's trying to put this guy in a headlock. Edward! Edward! I'm I'm looking around. Do I see anything that I can grab to try to hit the assailant with? Uh, Make a perception check for me. Okay, I perceive uh, 21. Mm -hmm. There's kind of, like by one of the screens, there's a small side table that's easy enough to lift. Uh, As you go to grab it, the individual, as you run to turn back around, kicks the door closed again. So you come into contact with the door as you just hear sounds and shouts unfamiliar to you from the inside of the room. And you hear another, and then silence. Edward? And I just start banging on the door. Gonna try as best as I can with my research body to break down the door. (laughs) Research body? Go ahead and make an athletics check for me. Edward, come on, man. Talk to me. (sighs) That didn't do anything right. Man, I am on fire rolling this die. Maybe (laughs) it'd help if I had a saw. It's a natural one. You go to slam into the door. The table you have smashes against the door as you hit something and you hear a like sucking sound pop as your shoulder dislocates ah. against the door. Uh, as you yell back and step backward, the door opens and you just see face down in a pool of blood, your brother shot laying on the ground dead. Oh my God, Edward, Edward, Edward. I just rush over and I, uh, you know, with one arm, I try to... You attempt to rush over. There's a figure completely blocking your path as he approaches the doorway. This figure looks at you. You see his hand reach out from behind the wall where it was hidden. You see him flash his gun. And he starts to raise it to point it at you. Uh, at, at this point, yeah. uh, I'm assuming Hal can't see that his brother is moving. Uh... Uh, there's nothing that how can fling towards like, like is there any uh, you can try if you run there's other stuff in your house like in your kitchen your living room or not, like like your apartment like in a small living room looking at his brother like there's nothing that can be done not moving blood on the floor what did you do to my brother Suddenly, he just raises the gun in your direction uh, then I'm going to try to avoid any kind of bullets that are coming right at me in order to... Make a dexterity saving throw for me. Okay. Um, so running up, that, uh, that that's a 13. Okay. Uh, you take 10 points of force damage as a silenced energy pistol <laughs> fires and just grazes. You took half damage. Ah! It grazes the side of your arm as you start booking it. Okay. Um, in his mind, like... I'm, I'm gonna get back there. I'm gonna... 
like I, I, I will get back and, 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 and just I, I have to get the safety first. So, uh, okay, he's going to try to lose the assailant in the streets. Uh, and You immediately exit your apartment. You see coming around the corner of the hallway another individual, a little bit more slender, but all completely in black, raising a gun and starts shooting in your direction. Shit. Okay. In my way of the exit? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. Just coming around the other way. Like, you can go the other way to get down the stairs, but they just came around the other corner of the hallway. Okay, yep. I'm definitely ducking and trying to run then. Yep. Down the hallway to avoid the new assailant. Yes. Yes, you're running, you're running, you're running, and as you get down to the ground floor, you start running down the street. You see a car just start speeding around the corner in your direction. Make a stealth check for me. Okay. Uh, uh, four? Uh, I'm going to say with advantage because this is where you live. Okay, oh, great, thank you. <laughs> okay, all right, that was a 19. Okay. Uh, quickly, you're able to duck into alleyways and they're this in a car. This is my house. So they- <laughs> There's a, they're in a car, so they can't quite match some of the spots where you've hidden, where you've gone with Edward before, where you've ducked and hid from friends or people you might have gotten into scraps with before. And quickly, you're able to lose them. Uh, but you hear every once in a while the screech of tires, and every once in a while you catch a glimpse as you circle back to r- around to where your apartment was, see figures exiting the building and getting into another car. I'm going to wait on like maybe five or ten minutes. Mm-hmm. After they've left, just to make sure that nobody else is around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to try to sneak my, my way back into the house. And you go up. Uh, it's and... probably a really bad idea, I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you go up with a 19. You look around. There's one person that seems to be standing, uh, not quite by the door, but off to the side. Mm-hmm. And you see them walk down the hallway, get an opportunity. You manage to slide your way back into your apartment but you don't know how long until that person comes back. Okay. Uh, Just running immediately for Edward and just as quietly as I can, just like shaking Edward. Mm -hmm. Edward! Edward, come on, man! Make a medicine check. Please don't do this to me, man! That's a 14. You are confident he is dead. Uh, Hal just puts his hands in his face and just like starts weeping uncontrollably even. I, I, I don't understand. What, what, what does this even mean? Uh, and, and I just, I, I think I just start like, I, I think maybe looking at him just to, you know, have my hands on him and just like maybe check if he had anything that would have led me to understand what had just happened. Like, does he have any kind of note on him or, or anything or what? What, uh, what happened? Edward, I... I who are these people? Who would they? I thought this was just us. I thought it was us against the world, and I, 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 I'm not ready for this, man. Go ahead and make an insight check with advantage for me. That's a natural 20. Uh, other one's an 18. It's you. Uh, you see, there's a bit of a smear... Did you just go for two 20s? <laughs> no. No, no. I, uh, <laughs> I got a 20 and an 18, which technically was a 25 and then a 23, respectively. <laughs> you rolled a nat 20 on the come at, and you're like, well, let's see if we can do that again. Uh, you see there's a drag mark in the blood. It looks like Edward didn't immediately die after his final shot. And you see his eyes are looking where his body would not have naturally fallen. 
they're looking somewhere else. Uh, okay. Um, Hal notices the connection there and is like, what were you trying to do? What were you trying to get? I don't understand. I, and he looks and... There's a small set of drawers. It's like it's a small shelf and he's looking towards one on the right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go over to that one and just try to prop it open. Okay. I'd say carry the natural 20 over. It's a normal drawer. Seems like it's got some papers, some extra office work in it. Okay. But while you're rifling through there, pulling things out, reading, you hear a little underneath. Underneath. Mm-hmm. Okay. Definitely like, what is that? Uh, and I, I go to scoop my hand underneath to try to remove whatever it is underneath that. You feel there's a false bottom. Definitely going in for the false bottom. Uh, you hit and you see there is a metal case with what specifically looks like masking tape or some kind of tape with Sharpie written uh, with your name, Hal, on top of it. Okay, uh, grabbing that, uh, I'm just going to do one final look real quick, but I'm not going to look at that just yet. Uh, And I just stare for what feels like decades of time just looking at Edward. Uh, Just not registering that this is even real that you know it can't be happening all the thoughts of denial that just go through the brain and i i guess something internally stirs within that says like you gotta go it's dangerous to stay here we can figure this out but you gotta get out of here right now you go you see the other individual has not come back yet and you have time to slip out and make your way wherever you want to go away from this building okay I'm taking lots of avenues and, and different routes I probably would not have. Sneak my way into my my private little research station. Yep. Uh, you get to your uh, storage unit and close the door behind you with just a small bit of dusk light coming in as the sun is setting for the day. And as the phosphorescent blue light coldly meets your face coming in from the rest of the equipment in this lab station, uh, you sit there with this case in your hand. Yeah, I think, again, just staring for what feels like eternity processing what just happened what i witnessed and uh then slowly i pull out the metallic box that uh edward left me that says hal on there and i i try to figure out a way to open it and i just i guess i open it uh easy enough it just it kind of slides open you open it there's another access chip in there is is there anything um hal is really confused just the chip like, what this means, what it might be for. Um, uh, so he's going to get up and start pacing. Uh, and when he's pacing, he's just going to be looking around. Does he see anything in the lab? Potentially, like, any kind of note that's left behind or or something that's not his? As you start looking around the lab, it's been almost, almost about an hour since you've had everything happen with their brother. You get a notification on your focal screen. Okay. I'm going to click on the notification. It's an encrypted, automated message sent from Edward. What does Edward... Why would he send this to me? I don't... Edward, what were you doing? And I'm just going to go ahead and select the message to play it. A video screen pops up and... Do you press play? Yes. Okay. You press play, kind of looking... Seemingly to other people, like you're looking off into space, but clearly on your focal screen in front of your eyes... You see your brother sitting at his desk. Hell. (laughs) Buddy. If you're watching this, that means I really fucked up. Really fucked up. I, uh... I automated this message to send if... 
My, uh, access chip didn't detect any signs of life for at least an hour. Which means I either took it out and would probably still be with you, or... Or I'm dead. It was not supposed to go this way, kiddo. I'm so sorry. I thought... I thought I could make things better for us. I thought I could get enough money for us, and I thought I could get enough to make sure that you were going to change the world for the better. You still are, but not a lot of people are invested in what you want and what you're doing, and I truly believe it's the only way that we're going to survive. And I wanted to make sure that your research would have legs to stand on. I guess I got a little too greedy. Or things got a little too risky. I don't... I, I started playing Utopia, and I got access to some of those... Uh, some of those off-game servers. Dark servers. And, uh... I wasn't making enough money in the game, Hal. I needed... I needed to make sure that I could take care of us and that I could... I don't need to be the next star searcher. God knows that, but... Get enough so that you wouldn't have to experience any of this. I got mixed up with a group called The Corporation, and... In case... In case I fail in my goals here, or something else happens. In my office, there's a false drawer. From the right shelves, the bottom right, inside you'll find the box with your name on it. It's a chip. It's only a matter of time before these people take my chip or access its data through other means and find out who you are and your chip number. How? You have to take it out. It's up to you if you want a new one. If you do, I left something for you on it. I have not... You could probably liquidate it some other way if you can find someone to help you, but... You don't have much time, man. I... I am so sorry to do this to you. I... <laughs> I guess I wasn't the best brother in the world after all. You don't have much time. Get yourself safe. Get yourself... Somewhere you can be safe. The lab is probably your best bet. I went through different channels just in case something like this happened. You at least have a couple more months and then another year before... Before uh, the account I have set up for it is gonna run out, so... Just... <laughs> if you do what I think you're gonna do... If you go looking for them, which... I cannot stress enough, please don't do... The last thing I want is for you to end up like me. But whatever you do, give him hell hide. I love you, little brother. And you see he's starting to lose it in the video as it abruptly ends. Mm. Uh, Hal just takes a big inhale and a, a big exhale. <sighs> Edward, you fucking idiot. I didn't need... The money. I didn't need any of this. None of this matters, okay? This, this world, this, this planet literally means nothing to me without you in it. God, fucking idiot. He just uh, starts throwing everything around. He's knocking over beakers, uh, Bunsen burners, just, you know, going, going crazy with it all. 
You were right about one thing, Edward. I'm going to do exactly what you think I'm going to do, and I'm going to fucking give them hell. They'll never see it coming. I'm going to make this right. Because it's just too wrong. Uh, he just looks at the chip. Uh, he steals himself for a moment because he knows it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, Hal, it's, it's time to make a plan. Uh, and then I, I imagine through a series of cutscenes, like a montage can come through. Uh, a year later, with a drastically different appearance, with the synthetically coded change to your DNA to change your eye color, with the extraction of the chip no longer supporting that artificial code, your body essentially treats the discoloration of your eyes, treats that modification as a foreign body, and you go blind. Your iris is turning completely white. Additionally, from the shock of adjusting to the excision of this chip and the reintroduction to a new one, your hair goes white, your skin becomes more pallid, also a little bit drier, sores start appearing in certain areas. It is a grueling task to undertake. But you eventually recover to a stable enough place. You have a few months left on the sustainability of your lab from which you have been trying to grow enough food to keep yourself nourished without having to leave too much, without having to find other places where you would have to go in public, not just as a blind individual, but not being able to see any threats that may be lingering and that may still come up for you as a result of your brother's actions. All of you have come to a crossroads where you have seemingly limited options, limited decisions for what you can do or what you are willing to do to change your lives. Are you all taking a plunge into the world of utopia? Hal needs the funds for sure to continue to keep his facility and continue to research who this corporation is. So, uh, yeah, this is his only option as as far as he can see it uh, to getting any kind of financial buffer. This this kind of feels like Troy's only option as well. He needs the money uh, and he definitely doesn't want to end up like his dad. Uh, He wants to... Hopefully one day, maybe get his dad out of there. So yeah, he's going to be full into it. For the first time in a long time, RV is on his own. And while he, before the accident, never had any major qualms with Axiom, with Utopia, he begrudgingly understands that this software, this program... This cornerstone of their society is perhaps his only chance at ensuring some possibility of recovery for Noel, and maybe there's a chance for some justice on the part of James and Noel. That can be found through this program as well. You all download the software to your chips, and it's a bizarre kind of sensation for you, Hal, as with this new chip, recognizing your body incapable of using uh, optical or visual sensors, you have these vibrational cues in the small bones of your ears that register with you as words into what people today, like with a phone in blind mode, like when it says, like, scrolling, scrolling. Or like descriptive audio. uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's pretty much all descriptive audio as these things run through your mind to download this game. All of you, as you pull up the program for Utopia on your focal screens, you all get a disclaimer note come up in front of you. Welcome to Utopia. Warning, this game renders your physical body completely incapacitated. Please make sure that you are in a stable, comfortable position before starting the game. 
Then after a moment, a little screen that says start dash question mark. Press it. Smash that start button. Uh, yeah, Hal is just having memories, you know, go through his head of his brother and and just picture after picture and yeah, uh, firmly acknowledges start. All of you, your consciousnesses are shunted. You feel this almost omniscient sensation of leaving your body, feeling any physical sensation as you're jettisoned into a white expanse that is practically blinding. For you, Hal, nothing seems to really change in that regard. Until all of you are placed into some kind of being. You kind of have this odd sensation. It's like putting on a bodysuit almost where you feel gradually sensation beginning to return. And the first thing that comes to you, especially you, Hal, a beautiful bright blue sky. And as this white light fades from your vision, you focus on that blue. You feel all of you, the rest of your senses begin to return. You feel a soft breeze gently caressing your cheek, and you almost have to shut your eyes as vision begins to return to you. A blinding sun, you feel the warmth from it as you start to find your footing on soft, firm grass atop the edge of a cliff face. Stepping closer to the edge, you find yourselves overlooking a vibrant meadow. And the three of you, essentially would be your character creation screens, have a brief tutorial where you acquaint yourselves with the basic physical mechanics. Uh, Adjusting to this, kind of see these fellow apparitions, these fellow travelers that you had come across start to apparate near you. Some you vaguely may recognize, some completely different forms you've never seen before. Some that look totally human, some that look completely alien, different colors of skin, hair, some looking like animals, some looking like completely different creatures you've never even seen before. And as you look ahead of you, a brand new world awaits you as you stand among friends you haven't met yet. Forever 20 is brought to you by Cameron Easley, Jake Easley, Cody Dennis, and me, Kyle Hudick. Our theme music is by Jake, editing by myself and Taylor Rohrbacher. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever 20 D&D for updates on upcoming content and artwork for the show by Cameron. Thank you to everyone who took the time to give our podcast a listen. We are all filled, as I said, with a ton of nervous excitement to get this show off the ground. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by leaving us a review in iTunes, tweeting about Forever 20, sharing the amazing art that Cameron will be adding to our various social media platforms, and telling your friends about our adventure. I'd like to think that this podcast is going to be a fun ride for anyone, even people who might not be as into D&D as we are. We are going to try to stick to an every other week release schedule, so look forward to episode two coming out very soon. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again soon for the next episode of Dystopium. Dystopium.